previously on SCP Play. The purpose of Able was to serve as a buffer between the surface and our containment level. Uh, Dr. Miller, what's about to happen? What do you mean? He's pretty securely in there. I... I don't think you're doing enough. Mr. Clark, could you call into the site? Well, I suppose I do owe you some sort of explanation. It's SCP-106. 106 is sadistic, to say the least. Ma'am, uh, I, I don't know, uh, how, how it happened. Ah, shit, he did break out. Okay, rush, rush out the door. Let's get to somewhere more secure. You hear something in the vehicle whine. Something snaps. The black I-Core that you had seen in the center console of Ned's vehicle has now spread over the engine. In the center of the van begins to rise up ahead. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out! You have now reached the Foundation Site 44. So when we last left off, uh, you were all heading into Site 44. Um, the guard had just let you all in from the front gate, um, and you're all running up to the front of the site. Um, I think as uh, you get closer and closer, the uh, Dr. Miller uh, starts talking to you all and says, Okay, uh, it seems you are all pretty well involved at this point, so uh, I should probably give you a bit of advice going into this. Just try your best to stay together as a group if you can do that, at least like stay close to me. Um, and whatever you do, don't, don't let him touch you. Uh, that wouldn't be good. If you get trapped in his pocket dimension, your chances of survival become close to zero. Um, and you all hear a scream come from the direction you came from. Um, coming from the guard booth, and you can probably assume that that guard uh, may have just been uh, one of six. Is uh, rip. So he got infected okay. by the coronavirus, well, right? <laughs> <laughs> he got eaten by the corona. Well, that's unsettling. Uh, then you all reach the front door, and she uh, starts to f open the front door, and she says, okay, if we get the chance to fight him, the key is to end as the door opens to site 44, you all receive a chilling welcome. A rush of darkness stretches out from the door no. and engulfs all of you before you can react. No. Ned, you immediately recognize the stench and anyone who was in the car close enough to 106 as he emerged from the floor of the car would also recognize it. It's extremely foul. It smells like decay and oil and just the most disgusting rot that uh, you can probably not even imagine. Ned, your bag also lets out an expected chirping cry of danger, but you don't really need to hear the warning to know that something is wrong. Oh, Miles, you, you know the wall of the facility, uh, and they are normally pristine, uh, pristinely clean and white, uh, white and silver. Uh, not a speck of white is present on the walls that you see before you. Every surface is covered in an oozing black substance, uh, and it is the same as the pool from which 106 emerged that you uh, would have very recently witnessed. You all look to your 
party members to see their reaction uh, to the situation, and you realize they're no longer there. You are each all alone. As each of you continue to observe the environment around you, you notice that the door you entered through is no longer present either. Each of you is now centered in an octagonal-shaped room. With each of its eight walls uh, bearing a dark corridor that you can barely see down, perhaps ten feet. As each of you gasp in realization uh, of your current situation, you feel a burning in your lungs. You hear the shoes beneath your feet begin to simmer, and you probably now understand why Dr. Miller told you not to let him touch you. Everything around you, including the air, is extremely caustic. You have entered the pocket dimension of the old man. Fun. Uh, Do we hear anything? We're not with each other, right? You are each alone, correct. Um, hello? Uh, Ned? Masanyes? Mom? You hear no response. The only sounds you can hear here are faint dripping sounds down each of the corridors of what you can assume is just the caustic material uh, dripping from the ceiling to the floor. And maybe a bit drops onto your shoulder as well and immediately begins to burn through your shirt. I would advise you not to touch the walls. Did you say this was on the floor too, though? Like, are we taking damage because of this? You are not currently taking damage because of this, but the longer you stay in here, the more damage you are going to take. And depending on how well you do it, trying to escape here, that will determine uh, kind of how you, how much damage you are going to take while in here. Okay. I'll, well, my first reaction... You, Go ahead. What? Sorry. Yeah, I'll remind you, Anyas, you are the only one who currently has any damage taken. You have one yeah. arm at the moment. Yeah. Uh, everyone else should be at full. Um, so my first reaction to the burning feeling on my feet would probably be to start my transformation so that I can fly. Because I'm okay. currently in human form. Um, yes, I think I think that's uh, good. Um, and I think at taking this action to uh, transform and fly, uh, this high intensity uh, situation uh, sparks a memory for you. Um, you remember back to the first time that you learned how to fly, your very first flying lessons. Um, so this would have taken place in your previous home. At the moment, your uh, harpy flock currently lives nearby uh, the town of Piedmont, uh, in hidden within the rolling hills in the area. Um, your previous home was Tomsock, Missouri, uh, which is fairly close to Piedmont, um, not too far away. Um, And you think back to your first lesson uh, in the Tomsock Mountain. Uh, This would have been around 2005. Uh, You would have been, let's see, you're 22 currently in 2017. Mm -hmm. So it would have been eight-ish. Um, around this time would have been when a bunch of the other harpy chicks uh, would have been learning how to fly. Um, and I think 
a lot of the other harpies are much better at flying and you haven't really been able to be successful at it just yet. And the reason for that is you aren't a full harpy. You're, you're a half harpy. You're not a full harpy. Um, and you know this because you maybe got a little bit of teasing from some of the other, uh, siblings or chicks within the flock. Um, but they have been able to learn how to fly much quicker than you have. Um, it's a bit more difficult for you because your wings aren't quite as uh, built for flying as the rest of your family is. Um, and your uh, your bones are a little bit more dense because you're, you're less bird-like. So I think uh, you are with, um, would we say that your mother uh, is probably trying to help you teach you how to fly. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess quite literally, that's how it works in the wild. Mothers yeah. try to kick their uh, kids out of the nest or whatever. So I'd like to think that in like the harpy universe that they actually make like a whole ordeal out of learning to fly. But because I was half harpy and people kind of pushed me away, especially the younger kids, uh, my mom had to actually teach me how to fly by myself. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that makes total sense. So I think we're... Uh, at, at this point in the Tomsock Mountains, you are trying to learn how to fly. And I think you've uh, jumped from uh, the the ledge a few times and tried to flap your wings to uh, get yourself to lift up into the air. Um, and your mother has had to swoop down and try to save you several different times. And you've maybe sustained a, a couple bumps and bruises here and there. Um, how would you be feeling at this point? Quite, quite frustrated. Very frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. So, I... um, hold on. I haven't thought of a voice for your mother just yet. <laughs> uh, what would a bird sound like? Just more relatable. <laughs> Do like um from Jimmy Neutron that one teacher. Miss Morton. <laughs> Mrs. Morton. Oh, I, yes. I thought I was the only one who thought that. <laughs> no. No that. That makes perfect sense. I, I guess I'll do that, but your mother could get very annoying very quickly. <laughs> Miss Morton, if you're listening, we love you. Anyas, <laughs> I, I know you're trying your best, and I believe in you, but we we really need to, to figure out how to get you into the air. To, tell me, what seems to be the problem? Why Why do you think you can't do this? Well, I don't know, Mom. Everyone else can do it so naturally, but I'm having all this trouble. It's like I'm not good enough. No, s sweetie, you, you're more than good enough. You're extremely amazing. You're very unique. There's very few halflings like you out there. Timmy said I was an abomination. Well, Timmy's a little... Uh, Timmy's a... a, a very annoying child. Don't don't worry about what Timmy says. Um, look, Anyas, you have a gift. Us and the rest of the flock all have the ability to fly. We have these magical abilities. But when I look at you, I see something absolutely amazing. And I think... You can do anything you set your mind to. Anyas, I know it's a bit early to be to be trying to really tap into your magical powers, but why don't you 
try, just try to see if you can manipulate the wind to blow your under your wings and make the flying a bit easier. That that might make it a bit easier for you to to actually get up in the air. And then once you get going, I'm I'm sure you'll be able to to continue your flight. Okay, I'll try. Now I'd like you to uh, roll use magic. Oh boy, this is gonna be good. Oh, um, is that that's plus weird? Yes, so plus three. So that's eleven plus three. Wow, very good roll. Okay, still no experience. So <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so within your um memory you remember that you used your mother's advice um and you began to tap into magic that you had not previously been told you were allowed to do so before um and as you do the strength of this magic is just beyond what you've been able to see from most young harpies uh and maybe some adult harpies as well the amount of wind that comes at your beckon uh just carries you immediately uh upwards and you soar high high up into the sky um and just the strength of this magic is just uh befuddling to your mother who uh, quickly flies after you to to make sure that you're able to to stay in the air but the your mother's advice actually worked extremely well you are now soaring and it's a feeling beyond anything you've ever previously experienced before you're only half harpy so your desire to fly probably was not as instinctual as many of the other full harpy chicks had been but now that you're up in the air, it's exhilarating. And back in the present, this same strength of magic uh, wells up from inside of you and forces up through the ceiling of the pocket dimension. It breaks through the ceiling and you fly upward and you escape 106's prison and you burst out um just barely catching yourself before you collide into the ceiling of site 44 but you are now in uh the medical wing of the facility um and in here uh you begin to look around it's a bit dark because most of the electronics in the site have uh, had some tampering due to 106 with them uh, you see that the room is uh, quite pristine uh, it is as I described earlier uh, the walls are shimmering white and silver um, but there are still signs of 106's corruption here uh, it's very obvious that he has started to uh, take over this facility and in this room, you see Dr. Miller. She is uh, quickly looking through the medical supplies here very urgently. Um, and it seems that she's the only person here. Hmm, okay. Um, are we still going to... Is this all simultaneously happening while everyone else is going, I'm assuming? 
yeah, everyone else's things will be happening uh, simultaneously with you. But uh, for now, you have now gotten into the medical wing with Dr. Miller. Awesome. Or do you say anything to her? Hey, Dr. Miller, uh, do you know what just happened? Oh, goodness. Anyas, okay. Thank God one of you got out. Um, did you see anyone else while you were in there? Did you see Miles? No, I was all by myself. Okay, um, uh, come over here and help me look for, uh, you're looking for some, it's, it's a pill bottle. Uh, it should be, it should have some red pills, I think, in it. Uh, we're going to need them. Uh, just look around in those drawers over there. And she, she points to uh, a medicine cabinet type thing that's uh, over on the other side of the room from you. Um, and she says, oh, uh, hold on one second. Uh, she walks to the center of the room and stabs the lightning lance down into the ground. Um, and as she does, uh, she kind of twists the handle of the lance, um, and you see emanate from the center of uh, the lance. Uh, it looks like a sphere of energy uh, emanates out from it. And as it does, um, some of the corruption on the wall uh, kind of fades a little bit. Um, and she says, okay, uh, we should be safe within this zone. Uh, I did not activate it before everyone else got pulled in because I did not know that we were going to be uh, pulled in right as we walked in the door. My bad, but... Um, it was able to protect me, and you were able to get out easy enough, so hopefully everyone else can get out too, or or I'm going to go after Miles and everyone else. Um, just, just keep looking, but... Uh, okay, I need to calm down. <sighs> okay. Where exactly were, was I, though? Like, it was all... It was like the same room, but all black and dark, and it didn't seem real. Um, that, it's somewhat accurate to say it was similar to our reality, but 106 has the ability to create his own pocket dimension. Um, it's full of the same corruption that envelops his body, and very few have made it out, Agnes. And most of those who do 106 hunts down. His sole purpose seems to be to cause as much agony and pain in those. And I'm, I'm very sorry to have brought you into this. But step one was getting out, so now we just need to make sure we keep him away, and we get everyone else out. But uh, step two is finding some medicine we can use to treat everyone. So please start looking. Um, I actually do have more confidence in Miles' ability to get out than I was initially letting on. He does seem to have quite uncanny luck. And uh, when she says this, we're going to shift scenes as you, uh, Agnes, and Dr. Miller begin to search through uh, all the different cabinets in here. I have a quick question, Kenneth. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
am I still like, was all of that real? Like, am I still transformed as a harpy or was this like a mental thing? It was all real. Okay. You are, you are still a harpy when you burst into the room. Um, and I guarantee Dr. Yeah, yeah. Miller has seen weirder things, uh, and maybe even knows uh, what the harpies are as well. So okay. just making sure. Yeah, uh, you're you're still in your harpy form. You can choose to get out of that if you so wish. I'll stay for now. Okay, might be a good idea. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, when Doctor Miller mentions uh, Miles's uncanny luck, uh, we shift scenes to Miles, who for a while was just calling out to the different people in the group to, to see if anyone answered. Um, but you don't hear a response. Um, so what would Miles's reaction be to this? Um, I think he sort of, at first he starts to kind of like tear up and sniffle a little bit, but then he sort of regains his composure and sort of centers himself and puts his head back on a swivel. Um, to so i think he's going to start like investigating down a couple of the hallways see if he can find some like light coming from anywhere or like a draft that might indicate that this direction might be a good way to get out because at this point he doesn't know he's in a different dimension he's just not sure where he is yeah i think uh appropriately uh miles kind of being a 12 9 9 wow completely blanked on that nine-year-old boy uh doesn't really know what action to take so he begins wandering a bit um so we'll see how lucky you are uh in your journey traveling around sort of aimlessly so uh as you begin to walk around uh looking for your uh exit i think your mind uh drifts a bit uh thinking back to maybe happier times when you weren't trapped in a uh, labyrinth that was full of caustic materials. Um, And you think back to uh, the Cardinals game that you went to go see. Um, You had been probably bugging your mom uh, for probably months, if not years, about wanting to go to a real baseball game instead of just watching it on TV because it's your favorite sport and you wanted to see, uh, I don't know, is who's your favorite uh, Cardinal, like Yachty or something? Oh, Yachty or Molina for sure. Yachty for sure. I mean, who does not love that wonderful man? Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think you finally uh, force your mom to her, her breaking point and she kind of just gives up and says, okay, okay, we we will go see uh, the next baseball game we are able to. Um, and she uh, tells Mr. Clark to buy you some tickets, um, and you all head up to St. Louis for uh, the weekend. Um, Mr. Clark drives you, um, and there's a small security detail that uh, journeys with you. Um, they kind of are more of a shadow and you maybe don't even recognize that they are joining you. Uh, They're probably not very easy to see the entire weekend. That and Miles is completely focused in different places. He is super focused on just like looking outside because he has never been out of the facility before. (laughs) And so he's looking outside, looking out the windows, the whole drive. And then as soon as he gets there, there's like more people than he's ever imagined. So he is fully distracted. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, 
once you get there, both uh, Mr. Clark and Dr. Miller put on some uh, very dark sunglasses to hide their eyes and put on a cardinal's hat, and they're very much blending in with the crowd. But uh, it's definitely the first time you've seen your mom, maybe with her hair down even, uh, and she's just kind of like more in a relaxed mood. Uh, she's definitely a, a bit high strung and has a, a lot of work that she has to do all the time. So this is uh, probably one of the first opportunities you've got to be around her whenever she's been able to be her most vulnerable. And Mr. Clark is also uh, being a little bit less high strung. You are probably uh, running around a bit and exploring the city and Usually whenever you'd be running in the halls of the facility, Mr. Clark would uh, tell you to, to stop running around so much. But uh, you go to the, the baseball game. Uh, you're in the, uh, let's say, left field. Uh, or no, I guess it'd be right field would be right in front of the um, bullpen of the Cardinals. Uh, you see some of them warming up there. Uh, and you have a, a good view uh, of... Uh, everything there you you're hoping that uh, someone hits a home run to right field so that you can uh, catch your first ever uh, home run ball and it may be one of the only chances you get for a very long time you feel yeah and I think the having the spot by the bullpen is also uh, sort of by design so that maybe if he doesn't get a home run ball maybe he can get one of the pitchers warming up to toss him one or something yeah yeah uh, Yachty wouldn't be warming up anyone back here. There would be like their backup catcher, but, uh, you, you pretend maybe that the, the catcher that's back here warming up the pitchers is Yachty. Well, and he's a big fan of Adam Wainwright too. So, Ooh, yeah. Wayno's there for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think you're just sitting here. Um, I think Mr. Clark, uh, kind of respecting your privacy a little bit sits a, a, a few seats further back, um, and uh, he, he intermittently brings you some different ballpark snacks. You get to have your first funnel cake ever. Uh, you get a, a, a bag of ballpark peanuts from one of the vendors who uh, is just going around yelling, Peanuts? Yeah, peanuts. And uh, you're sitting there with your mom, and she uh, very warmly puts an arm around you and maybe gives you a, a kiss on the forehead. Um, I will say the funnel cake does nothing for... Uh... Miles's energy level. It's it's already at max. Yeah. <laughs> um, mom, I saw you and Mr. Clark. Uh, you have those hats. Um, do you think I could get one of those? Oh, of of course, sweetie. Um, Mr. Clark. Uh, yep. Would you mind getting a uh, Cardinals hat for us? Um. Yeah. You you know what? I think uh mine's adjustable. Uh. Here, Miles, you can you can just have mine. Um, I mean... No, I don't want to take yours if you... Uh, um, it's okay. I mean, I I just bought it today, and I'm more of a, a Royals fan anyway, so it, it's fine. Well, I mean, I... I mean, that's just a mistake on your part, but you can always make better decisions now, um... And Miles is going to try to manipulate someone to try to get Mr. Clark to go get him his own hat. Okay, yeah, go for it. And that's a seven plus two charm, so nine. Uh, yeah, that that works. Uh, he just kind of chuckles and says, 
All right. Well, you, you've convinced me. I'll uh, I'll go get you. Uh, you want one of the red ones with the white littering, or you want uh, maybe um, look around at some of the other hats that are around if there's an, another style. No. Yeah. The red and white is great. That sounds awesome. He uh, just shoots you a thumbs up and, and heads off to uh, one of the m- many uh, stores that are here that would have different merchandise. But All right. As soon as he's out of earshot, Miles is going to turn to his mom and, why does he have to come with us everywhere? Why? I mean, we never have alone time or anything. And I mean, this is all great and everything, but he's just kind of, I, I can't really forget that he's there watching us all the time. I'm I'm sorry, Miles. I didn't realize this was um such a a pressing issue for you. I'm I should have been more considerate. I mean, no, it's you didn't do anything wrong. I just No, no. Was wondering. I, and Mr. Clark didn't do anything wrong either. I I know you're not the most fond of him, but he Miles, I I trust him more than anyone else in the world, other than you, of course. Of course. I know that you'll always be here for me. But I will. Mr. Clark has always been there for me. And whether you realize it or not, he's always been there for you. Yes, he can be uh, a bit of a booty hole at times. <laughs> yeah, he can. He's uh, very uptight, but he has his reasons. And he's probably uh, more uptight in times when I should be as well. Okay. I just I just wanted to have a few minutes. I didn't I would have taken his hat. I just wanted a few minutes just us. Well, I'll tell you what. Mr. Clark doesn't know where we're at right now. How about we move uh, more towards center field? There's some open seats over there. Uh, You'll never be able to find us. That sounds great. That sounds awesome. Let's go. Okay, go, go, go. Miles gets up and he's like, like people are starting to move their knees aside so he can get out. And he just like tramples through them before they can really move their knees. He's super excited. As you're running towards center field, uh, you hear a crack of the bat. And you look up, uh, you were a bit distracted. You didn't realize that uh, your favorite baseball player in the world, Yadier Molina, had gotten up to bat. And he just hit a bomb. And it's going directly to right center gap. Wait, we gotta move, we gotta move! Go, go get it, honey! Alright, Miles is running. He's running. Full out sprint. Uh, Yeah. Roll to act under pressure. All right. Act under pressure is plus cool. So that's a seven. Okay. Uh, Mixed success. Uh, I give you a worse outcome, hard choice, or price to pay. Um, Hmm. Damn, I really wanted this to be a 10. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. Uh, You could use luck if you wanted, but... I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm. Can I suggest something? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I think uh, when Miles gets there, uh, 
it like uh there's another kid there that also is like super excited and decked out in his cardinals gear and it sort of lands between them and uh they both go for it and miles gets it but i think he looks back at his mom and uh then thinks about how like this is the why he came uh like to hang out with his mom and have a good time he didn't he doesn't need the ball so i think he's going to give it to the other kid oh okay yeah that's a very sweet gesture um and i think as you uh go back to your original seats once uh mr clark has finally tagged you down uh you go and sit down and uh someone from the bullpen tosses you up a ball as well oh great see i know it's fine i got one and in the present you are wandering through these halls uh you've been wandering for a little while now and uh the environment is beginning to take its toll on you. You take one harm, um, and as you are walking along, uh, you eventually stumble upon Mr. Clark and Chester. Uh, Mr. Clark? Oh, Miles. Thank God. You guys are here? You guys, I I was calling out, I didn't hear anybody. You guys, is my mom with you? No, uh, I, I think she is on the outside we gotta we gotta find a way out of here i mean i there were like eight different hallways from where i came from maybe we could go back there and try a different one um miles i i trust you i gotta i gotta focus on carrying chester you you see that uh chester was already worse for wear when you came into uh the pocket dimension and he's he's not looking good uh you get the impression that he may be passed out and was laying on the ground for quite a while. Um, and Mr. Clark's carrying him and he, he doesn't look great either. Oh, um, uh, can miles, is, is he at like a juncture again? Uh, yeah, this, this has less passageways, but, um, you're, you're able to go ahead and, and lead whichever way, uh, you feel works. All right. Um, Miles is going to uh, sort of do the same thing as he did last time, like poke his head into each of them, see if he can catch a draft or anything. Uh, and I assume he's not going to catch anything, so I think he's just going to pick uh, no, the right I, one. I think you you do pick up oh, something. Okay. It's not a, a draft. It's not. Um, there's no visual indication. It's just a feeling. It's a, a gut feeling. There's four different passageways here and i think it's like um from the direction that you entered you entered at six o'clock on the face of a clock um and you get an inkling to go towards three o'clock yeah i think uh miles uh is going right uh just because he was thinking about uh the baseball game and they were in right field and right field seemed to treat him pretty well so he's gonna go right and uh as you go down this passageway it leads to what you first assume is probably a dead end but as you reach the wall you see there's a a bit of a a crack in the wall Uh, and uh mr clark says move aside miles i i got it okay he uh he charges directly into the wall uh and it busts open um and you're now uh in the hallway 
uh, of Site 44. Anya, from the medical wing, you hear a crash outside. Um, we're, we're here. Um, uh, mom, uh, Mr. Ben, Ned, Miles, Miss Anya, this Miles. way, this way. Uh, Mr. Clark, can you, can you walk? Uh, I think the toll of the pocket dimension, uh, was too much on him and he's now, uh, passed out on the floor with Chester, uh, laying next to him. All right. Um, Miles is going to, uh, sprint to the direction his mom, he heard his mom come from. Okay. Uh, I think she rushes out into the hallway, um, and she uh, sees you running towards her. Uh, she wraps her arms around you and says, uh, quickly, get into no, the room. No, it's Mom, safe there for the not moment. Not me. Back there, uh, Mr. Clark and Chester, th- they need more help than I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting them now. Anya, could you help? Of course. And I just, I'm already flying, so I guess I just fly. Anya, you're here. Okay, yeah. Uh, you go and grab uh, Mr. Clark and Chester and start dragging them towards the room. Hello, everybody. It's time for a mid-roll. This is your keeper, Kenneth, and as I'm recording this, the episode I should have probably uploaded like six minutes ago, so I'm going to try to make this quick. Let's go straight into an ad. Okay, and uh, first off, wanted to think uh, we got a very random surgence of listeners in the past couple weeks, a very pleasant to see and uh, if you're new listening here welcome uh glad to glad to have you on board with us here uh next wanted to thank michael winton again as always for the music that we have uh and then uh there's no new reviews we got a few new rates on uh apple podcasts uh if you want to tell us how we're doing anywhere whether it be on social media or on apple podcasts that's also a great place to do it Um, And it helps us out a lot. We appreciate anything you're willing to do for us. Uh, Lastly, the uh, dice giveaway is still going on on our Twitter page. You just need to go to at SCP underscore play to find us. Um, That giveaway will end on the 19th. So you have a little over or a little under a week rather to uh, get in and uh, get that submitted uh, there's multiple ways to get submissions on there or multiple ways to get entries rather uh so go ahead and get get in there if you haven't already uh otherwise stay safe uh and hope you all uh continue to enjoy listening to our podcast think now we transition on to Ben. Uh, Ben, the moment you entered this pocket dimension, um, when the black, uh, the blackness of the pocket dimension rushed over you, uh, you, similarly to the way that you received your premonitions, uh, a memory just washes over you. You are back in college. You went to uh, Southeast Missouri State, uh, or SEMO, um, and you remember your friend Ricky, 
who you uh, met. He uh, originally went to Poplar Bluff uh, back in high school. You went to um, Clearwater High School, I believe, in Piedmont. Is, is that correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You went to Clearwater High School in Piedmont. Uh, you were Your schools were a, a bit of rivals. Um, Ricky was on the soccer team. I don't think you were ever much of a jock, but uh, he was a bit of a star. You, you knew of him. Um, and when you went to SEMO, uh, he got onto the soccer team there. Uh, granted, it's not a very big soccer team, but uh, you knew of him and ultimately met up with him at some point, uh, got to know him a bit, and realized you both went to a summer camp in, in Clearwater when you were kids together. Um, and you've uh, grown a bit of a friendship over your first semester with Ricky. Um, it's been uh, a, a good time getting to know him and uh, learning about his family in Poplar Bluff. You both probably made uh, a trip at some point to uh, reminisce what little you could remember about your uh, summer camp at Clearwater at some point. Um, and eventually um, your winter break starts to roll around. You, you reach finals and uh, Ricky probably asks you for help on some of the gen ed classes you have together because he's more of a jack and not as much of a, a, a whiz. And you're more focused on, uh, you, you've kind of already found a track for yourself. You're going more for the IT or CS route. Um, and I think that uh, you're both studying in uh, your dorm room together. Um, and Ricky just suddenly has a, a, a premonition, a, a memory of uh, something that he remembered he was going to tell you. Uh, and he sounds like something. Why do I keep adding more characters to the story if I'm not ready for character voices. You fool. <laughs> I know. It's a trap. My hubris. <laughs> Please um, let that be his voice. <laughs> no. Please uh, don't. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. Um let's see. Oh, uh hey, Ben, uh I just remembered. Um I had this buddy of mine who I've got uh is it geography? Ge geology? No, geography. Yeah, I got geography with him, and uh, he showed me this uh, bootleg video game he found. Uh, it's it's super crazy. Uh, he, he gave it to me on a flash drive, even. It's like supposed to be haunted or whatever, but yeah, it, it seems pretty lame. Uh, we could we could try it out sometime, but uh, I guess we should probably finish studying, huh? Uh, yeah, we should probably finish studying for your test because we both know that you won't get through it okay. if we don't i i think i'll i'll do fine hey for real though ben you've you've been a really good friend this semester um i was really nervous about coming to college and coming to a new life here and i i didn't really expect to find someone like you and I appreciate it. I probably would have flunked out uh months ago if it wasn't for you and oh, don't don't even mention it. It's no, it's not really a big deal. I appreciate it. I mean, we're not too far from home, right? Yeah, I guess not. Uh well, uh we should probably continue <laughs> got a lot uh, of ground to cover, right? Yeah, yeah, for uh, yeah, mm, yeah, 
for sure. A lot of ground. <laughs> I think he uh, he shoots you a smile, and you probably notice he's he's got a very handsome smile. He's a, a well built guy. Uh, obviously, he's on the soccer team, so he he tends to keep in shape pretty well. Um, and uh, you you finish out the night, and uh, he gives you a, a big hug and and thanks you again for uh, all the help you've given him. Um, and uh, he heads off back to his dorm for the night and uh, probably feels pretty confident about how he's going to do on that exam tomorrow. Uh, ben goes to bed a blushing mess. Uh, I think as you, you lay down, you probably see the, the thumb drive that Ricky brought over. Um, and I, I, would, I would think that curiosity overtakes you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think he sticks it into his computer just to see uh like what it is because he didn't really say what it was mm -hmm. um as you plug it in uh a i assume do you have a like an apple computer or a windows or something uh i don't know which is better for computer science would it would a um, mac be better for computer linux. science hey, hey dan linux <laughs> linux linux you have a linux uh, yeah that uh, sounds plug right it yeah in, yeah <laughs> As as you plug the the thumb drive in, there's a uh, message that pops up, um, and it it doesn't look like a, a normal message that you would you would see that would pop up on your your computer of like system warning of some sort, and uh, you just see a, a progress bar begin to to fill up, and as it fills up more and more, your your screen begins to sort of distort. I think you're a, you're a CS major. You you would probably assume that. That's a virus. Your buddy yeah, just sure. gave you a virus. <laughs> and uh, the screen becomes more and more pixelated as it continues to corrupt and the progress bar continues to fill. Are you just going to leave that virus plugged in? Uh, no, he's going to rip it out. As you rip out the thumb drive, uh, you feel a shock of electricity. The progress bar disappears, the pixels disappear, and your whole computer shuts down. And uh, I think that the shock from it um, is a, a bit surprising. And uh, you, you let out a bit of a yelp, and one of your neighbors probably comes over and knocks on the door and is a, a bit confused as to what you were yelling about. I think that your vision begins to, to blur a little bit as you can hear someone from the outside yelling at you and uh, there's pixels that begin to flood across your vision and I think you, you feel some surge of power within you. Um, and I'd like you to roll to use magic to try to get whatever is happening with you under control. Okay, that is plus weird, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> it's our first failed roll, y'all. Uh, that is a five. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Woo! no. Uh, we did it. Our second, our second failed roll. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this actually makes a, a lot of sense. Um, 
as you try to get whatever is happening under control, uh, it gets control of you. And pixels begin to fly from your fingers. It looks like fire or something is, is spreading out and it reaches to your computer. Uh, your computer lets out some smoke and then something, a little bit of pixelized flame dances over to the curtains you have hung up. And the fire control system in the dorm, uh, dorm room begins to go off. There's water being sprayed everywhere. And everything in here is just ruined. All of the papers you had been studying with uh, your friend Ricky are ruined and everything in the room is just soaked. And I think uh, you begin to, in the present, regain control of yourself as you remember you regained control at that moment once you realized the damage that had been done. And in the present, you see that on the ground there is Lucas in front of you. And you see that he has just fallen and he has singe marks on him. And you see the fire that was in the same vision, that was pixelated, began to fade back to your hand. Oh God, Lucas, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to. Lucas, I'm sorry, Lucas. Uh, why, okay, yeah. What just happened? Why did you, what was that? I, I don't know. Um. Do you, do you know where we are? Are you okay? What happened? Do you know what's going on? What's happening? We, okay, we just need to get out of here. Look, I just found an exit when you came up on me. Let's try to break through the wall there with whatever the hell you just did. And you see a, a crack in the wall uh, that's in front of you. I'm trying to think. He doesn't really have anything that would be a good bludgeoning tool. Um, so I think he just... Uh, Huffs and tries to run through with the rush okay. of adrenaline. Yeah. You uh you shoulder it um and you uh crash into the wall. Uh this is a very corrupt wall as well. Um from the amount of time and from crashing through a wall, uh the the amount of time that you were here and crashing through the wall, you take two harm. Oof. Um and Lucas limps uh as, as best he can behind you, um, grabbing tightly onto his arm that now has uh, burn marks up and down it. Um, and he just looks left and right down the corridor, and uh, you see nearby is another bit of wall that has been uh, broken through. And uh, he just says, uh, looks like someone went down this way, but let's try it down there. Uh, and you keep walking and eventually come upon the uh, same medical room that uh, Dr. Miller and company had uh, filed into. Uh, and I think as you head into there, uh, we're going to move to Ned. Ned, um, I think you have been in here for a while. Uh, you probably didn't know what exactly to do. Uh, you may be called for your 
Grandpa Rick a couple times, uh, and he didn't really respond to you. Uh, you didn't hear much. If anything, it was just, I don't know, try left. <laughs> Can I say uh, a couple things that I would helpful. have done? Sure. They, they shouldn't have been too much. But uh, as Ned finds himself uh, alone in the uh, in the middle of this octagonal room, he says, uh, oh, oh, geez, I'm all alone. Uh, oh, geez, Grandpa Rick. You're not alone, Ned. I'm always here. <laughs> That's right, Grandpa Rick. You're always there with me. <coughs> but I'm... I'm an, an adventurer. I'm an investigator. An investigator extraordinaire. I'm gonna get out of this. Real quick, I'd like to invoke Occam's Broadsword to figure out if this is natural or a weird phenomena. When I first encounter something strange, I may ask the Keeper what sort of thing it is. Phenomena. Ba, 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 da, da. So I would say that this is a, a combination of the two um it's extremely unnatural uh you have seen uh scp 106 uh a, a couple times now and you now uh, upon the warning of dr miller once you entered realize that this is uh it's pocket dimension and this entire area is very weird and very unnatural. This is not uh, the normal reality that you are normally present in. All right. So I gain plus one forward dealing with it. That was the main reason for doing that. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um. I must be in that pocket dimension. I think she was talking about that. I don't want to be in. And uh, I hear the the chirping from my pack. Yeah, um, I think as the chirping from your pack uh, starts to ask to be pulled out and give you some suggestion, I think we look back to uh, some memories of Ned as well, uh, back to when you would have first met your little friends. So the memory we come up upon first is Ned headfirst in a toilet. You're getting uh, dunked in there by some school bullies, uh, classic 2000s film style, because uh, everyone would get, what's the, is it slurries? Swirlies. Swirlies, yeah. Everyone got swirlies back in the day. Uh, so I think they uh, are laughing at you, and uh, they, they just want to be these classic 2000 films uh, bullies just because even though it's 2017 it's like the they're a little bit behind the times the culture took a while to get to there so they're still like these bullies of a bygone generation but uh yeah they uh leave you uh they high five each other and start laughing and you uh are just kind of sitting there dejected on the floor um the janitor rolls in and just tells you like throws you a towel and says Third, third time this week, huh, Ned? <coughs> yeah. I'll, I'll show well, I should really day. report that to the authorities, shouldn't I? I'm really bad at my job, but uh, get out of here now. I gotta clean up. Hey, yeah, Mr. Johnson, I'll, 
I'll get out of your way for you. <coughs> Don't worry about me. I think uh, this is this is the end of the school day. Um, this is probably a, taking place about a year or so before uh, the the events of uh, our adventure here began. You start to leave. Um, you before leaving the school grounds, check your. Uh, you, you pull out a laptop. It's a, a pretty clunky old laptop. It's very thick and the, the battery lasts probably like 30 minutes before it craps out. So you barely have any time to check your cams before uh, heading on home to where you have a, a, a good power supply. Mm -hmm. um, but you check them and you, you see some weird movements on some of the, the trail cams that you, you set up. Um, these You've recently started uh, setting these up. You uh, probably got online and uh, read some uh, stuff about cryptids like Bigfoot and uh, the Mothman and such. Uh, so you started uh, deciding, you know what, Piedmont seems like a place where these things could be, and you probably weren't entirely wrong. No one would expect little Piedmont to have, have cryptids there. That's exactly where the government would hide them. Right. Yeah, so you, you broke out your... Uh, uh, gear that uh, some of the stuff that your father had left behind. He probably did a little bit of hunting. Uh, had some trail cams and some of the equipment that you use. Probably the old clunky laptop might have been his. Yeah. Uh, so you head off to uh, the spot where some of the trail cams had, had picked up some uh, movement. Um, and I think as you start walking towards this area uh you see some figures moving off in the distance you see a couple guys with flashlights just kind of scoping the brush and and looking around and uh they they look like they could be fbi or cia or uh some some local rogue police officers you have no idea this is just all in your mind's eye Yep, that's exactly right. So I'm like, I'm like ducking behind a tree. I I've got like some some paper out. I'm like I'm like scribbling down where I am, coordinates maybe. I don't know exactly where they are, but I know where the trail and, cam is. Uh, yeah, I think uh, as as you roll over there, um, I I won't make you roll to act under pressure to stay hidden, but I want you to uh, roll to investigate a mystery to figure out what's going on here. All right, roll plus sharp. That's an eight plus two is ten. Okay, yeah, that's a, a complete success. Okay. You get to ask two questions. Uh, what happened here? What sort of creature is it? What can it do? What can hurt it? Where did it go? What is it going to do? What is being concealed here? All right, and so before I left the school... I checked my laptop. I just found that there had been movement on the trail cam. I didn't see anything. I think uh, something very close to the camera brushed by it. Uh, you saw gotcha. two very quickly moving figures, um, and it, it was just a couple of flashes of color. You didn't really yep. make out what it would have been. Yep. Okay. So the question is, I'm, I'm looking around... Uh, kind of side peeking at these guys, looking around the brush. I want to know uh, what happened here. So you see um, 
you've been doing this monster hunting and tracking for a while. I think um, maybe when you were much younger, your when your dad was around, he uh, maybe showed you how to look for tracks as well. Um, and you see two tracks. Uh, it's a pair of tracks, and these aren't um, footprints. They are just singular parallel lines a shopping uh, cart that run by each other you you might assume that it was a shopping cart or some sort of wheeled apparatus um and they are kind of just running all over the place kind of looks like they were maybe trying to intentionally leave tracks that would throw off whoever was trying to find them who brought a scooter two scooters even out in the woods and I'm gonna hold my other question. Are the are the two guys they're kinda going towards me or away from me or maybe parallel to me? They're now walking off in the opposite direction. These tracks, uh, as you started walking up here and, and looking around as you got closer to your trail camp, they're everywhere. Uh these tracks were moving around very quickly and all over the place, and now they're trying to follow a set that they maybe think will lead to whatever they're looking for, but your guess is probably as good as theirs. There is a lot of track here. Well, fortunately, Ned is an expert investigator, so he's going to have to ask the question, uh, where did it go? I think uh, you are able to deduce by looking at... uh, This would have been around fall. Uh, There's several different tracks that uh, leaves had been turned over onto um, and some that there were less leaves along the track. So you were able to kind of deduce, okay, these these are probably a bit more fresh. Um, and you start following the tracks and uh, eventually you, you get to a tree that has a split at the base. Um, and from a distance, you're able to see an orange and a yellow figure in there. They're very small. Um, somewhat round um and as you get closer and closer you see that uh these two figures are huddled together and and sort of shivering um and what these creatures are these are well you've never really seen anything like them no um it looks almost like a large teardrop um it would be about the size of a small volleyball Um, with a protrusion at the top of them. And each of them has uh, what looks like a a singular wheel uh, at the bottom of them and a eyeball, a quite large eyeball that takes up um, close to half of the circumference of uh, close to half the radius rather of um, the eyeball itself um, or the, the, entire uh creature itself and these two uh little guys look up at you expectantly and just kind of give off quiet little chirps of uh you can probably deduce of either stay quiet or pleading ned uh ned sucks in a gasp like (gasps) they're real gets uh, down on a knee, putting his uh, notebook to the side. 
and he kind of uh, leans forward and reaches out a hand, a palm upheld. They both uh, very hesitantly scoot towards you and allow you to place a hand onto each of them. Uh, I kind of, uh, kind of pet them like, like one would a cat. What's the, what's the kind of consistency of their hide exterior? Uh, it's fairly smooth. Um, you can't really deduce what it is. You maybe would think it's a, a hard plastic of some sort. It's, it's not easy to tell. Huh. Hey, I think I heard something over here. Oh no. Ned's, uh, Ned's head uh, shoots back over his shoulder and I kind of get the, the urgency of these little guys. So I, I open up my normal, uh, kind of brown, kind of brown, uh, backpack, just a, a very simple, cheap thing that he has. And he uh, kind of opens it up in front of the, in front of the, the little orbs and gestures for them. Come on, little guys. I'll get you out of here. They hurriedly scuttle into your backpack. Uh, it's a very snug fit, but they're in there. Um, and I think you probably immediately start heading off uh, away from where you heard people approaching. Absolutely. Uh, into the night. And using the same investigative mystery role, um, we're going to cut back to the present. I think you pull your little friends out um, and they immediately know where to go. They have maybe been chirping at you a little bit and they start heading off in one direction. Great. Yeah, I pull them out of the uh, the door of the Explorer backpack that my older sister left behind when uh, when she went off to college that I had cut the eye holes out of so that my little buddies could see out of it. Yes, your old bag was a little bit too snug for them, and you had the perfect idea to set them in there because it would be the perfect disguise, and they could still look around for you. Exactly. So I, yeah. So they hurried, hurriedly scuttle off, uh, beckoning you after them, uh, maybe slowed a little bit by the material of the floor, but uh, you uh, follow them? Uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm running after them. Okay, I think you head down uh, a few different corridors and you begin to uh, come, upon, come upon a uh, split where some of the uh, uh, where one of the corridors has uh, a faint shimmer of light through it and your little buddies start heading towards there. Uh, and I think as you continue to follow them, you hear a voice in your head say, Ned, wait. Grandpa Rick? No, um, this is your great-grandpa Eric. Okay. Hi. I, I need you to go left. Please, trust me. I, at this point, um, I think you've heard voices before, um, yeah. from your grandpa Rick and maybe a few other of your uh, ancient ancestors. Uh -huh. I think you maybe at some point assumed that they were just sort of figments of your imagination, like they were imaginary friends. But this is one that you've never heard before. Your great-grandpa Eric has never said anything to you. Huh. 
And so the my little buddies are going right, and great grandpa Eric says go left. When your grandpa Eric uh, says something to you, they immediately turn around um, and recognize that something happened. Uh, and they come up to you, and seeing that you were inspecting a different path, uh, they hesitantly start leading you down it. And as you head into this pathway, um, it's a bit longer than some of the other paths that you have taken before. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of a draft that comes up it, which is very weird because the air in here has been very stagnant the entire way. Uh, it has been very stagnant and burned your lungs the entire way that you have walked through here. But now this air seems uh, not necessarily fresh, but new. Um, it seems to be more thick, uh, more like it has been sitting here for a while and nothing has come into it. Like if you entered an old attic uh, and you breathed in some of the dust, the air here still hurts and the walls are still covered in the same black ichor. But as you begin to continue along, the environment around you is different. This no longer looks like the corridors that would be similar to probably a hospital ward or what the site 44 would look like. Um, it begins to look like trenches. The sky, uh, the ceiling above you transitions into a sky, but it is still the same black icor that you had seen before. Um, and you begin to hear voices shouting all around you. Um, and this is what you can only assume um, is World War I, except nothing around you seems real. The trenches are still made of the same material that you had seen before. Um, and as you continue along... Going through, kind of try and touch the trench wall to see if it is the dirt or the ichor. Uh, it definitely is, uh, and it stings as you touch it. Ah! Your grandpa, great-grandpa Eric chimes in. Kid, don't, don't touch the walls. This, this thing I, I have seen before. Oh. I know I've never piped up before, but I've never had a reason to until now. I'm your great-grandpa, Eric, who died in World War I. The report would have said something along the lines of, I died valor, uh, valiantly, valiantly, protecting our country on the front lines. But that isn't so. As you continue along, you see different corridors that lead underneath the ground, here um, that would lead to different barracks, maybe a, a medical ward within the trenches here. And as you continue along, you eventually come upon a hole in the side of the trench. 
not similar to the corridors that you just saw, but just a hole. It's a black void. As you look into it, it it isn't like the rest of the environment around you. There's been a faint glow that you've been able to make out uh, everything around you here uh, previously, and this is not that. It is a pitch black pit, and you cannot see anything inside of it. If you listen closely, the only thing you can hear coming from it are screams and cries of terror. And you may now use your investigative mystery questions. You have two. All right. And uh, one thing I would like to uh, know first off is, are the buddies afraid of this hole? They are shivering. They, um, You've not seen them to the point where they are silent scared. They usually warn you if there's something wrong, but they are huddled together right at your leg, shivering, terrified. All right. I'm a... I'm a great investigator, so I would like to investigate what is being concealed here. That's a big one. <laughs> um, hmm. I, I think what you get here uh, is your great-grandpa Eric chimes back in. This thing, he... The SCP people call him the old man. I knew him as Corporal Lawrence. There was always something off about him. He was always very quiet and kept to himself. One day, he was sent over the trench to the German line, and when we sent him... It, their line went completely silent. When we searched their trench a week later, there was nothing but rot and decay and this hole. And the hell that emerged from that hole was Corporal Lawrence. And I think when your great-grandpa Eric says this, you hear some low gurgling and moaning come from the hole. Well, Grandpa, Grandpa Eric, is, is this where you went? Is this, is this what happened to you? How did you, how'd you get him? How'd you stop him? We didn't. You see a hand begin to extend from the hole. Um, you, uh, I will give you one thing you forgot to do when you first encountered Abel. You have uh, cryptid sighting. Mm -hmm. You can ask another investigative mystery question. All right. I can't remember if I did that for him uh, as well. And yeah, you, you had not. Okay. Gotcha. Well, 
I'm fairly familiar with what it can do. There's not a whole lot of questions. Uh, I'm going to ask what can hurt it in the hopes that something around here can. So that's what I'm going to ask. Uh, also, uh, Ned's action is going to be to scramble over himself and try to go away from this hole. Um, I think when your little buddies uh, got pulled out of the backpack, um, maybe for like a little bit of protection, you keep on them like some firecrackers or something that they can throw. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. Sure. I care a lot for my little buddies. Yeah, they like uh, strike the firecrackers, toss them into a hole, and quickly go after you, uh, like screaming the whole way, very high pitched, like <laughs> hurriedly running away from where this hand was emerging. All right. I think uh, you get back up to the uh, entrance that led to the trench route. Um, and if you were to look back here, you would see that the old man is now pursuing you. Awesome. Uh, uh, Ned is running. So the, through the firecrackers in, did I hear them go off behind me or there was no effect? Um, I don't think you waited to see. I did not wait to see. Uh, I hacked yeah. right off. Uh, I think from the corridor that you were going to take uh, to get out of here, uh, you see something crushing through the wall. Uh, it is uh, Dr. Miller. She has begun smashing the wall, hearing uh, definitely just the little buddies screaming and definitely not Ned high-pitched screaming. Definitely... <laughs> Definitely just the little buddies. Certainly just the little buddies. Yeah. She's smashing through the wall and, and yelling, quickly, quickly, this way. Urging you to uh, join them. All right. Uh, Ned, super definitely not screaming, but maybe uh, some tears uh, running down his face as he is just sprinting along. He may touch the wall as he holds himself up and... Just hand uh, burning with the with the caustic material as he reaches Doctor Miller. Yeah, uh, and you were in here for longer than anyone else. Yep. I think at this point you have taken three harm. Um, and can you roll to act under pressure for me? Sure. Damn, that's a nine. I want to fail one of these rolls. I want to get some experience plus. Uh, Roll under pressure is plus cool is plus one is ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, a full success. You are able to uh, dive through the hole and you look behind you and see that uh, the old man has almost come up on the little iPod buddies that uh, had been rushing after you. I think you're able to quickly reach back and grab them as uh, Dr. Miller shoots at 106 and pulls you back towards uh, the medical wing. Uh, she pulls you in the door, throws you within the uh, bubble, and joins you there. And as 106 begins to uh, follow after you, he reaches through the bubble, um, and some of the corruption on his hand uh, 
it doesn't fade, but it almost seems to shimmer less, uh, and he recoils. Uh, and Dr. Miller just grins and says, Why don't you come on in, you big piece of shit? The water's just fine. Uh, and 106 sinks into the floor. Ah, uh, yeah, it was, it was horrible. All of human suffering. Uh, oh God, you guys are here. You're here. And, yes, Ned, everyone is here. You made it. Uh, oh God. I'm, uh, we were worried about you and definitely didn't forget about you. Oh God. Oh no. No, but for real, we were worried. Uh, what did you, what took you so long? We all got back like a little bit ago. It was, it was horrible. Okay, uh, quickly, uh, take this. Uh, Dr. Miller shoves a pill in your mouth. Um, and I think everyone else here, uh, has already taken one of these. Um, it is a little red pill, um, and it heals you completely. Oh, gnarly. You now have no harm. Uh, and uh, everyone else who has entered the room already would have received one of these. Did she? You see so she took. That... So I am thrown in the bubble, and she throws mm -hmm. a bread pill for me to take. Uh, she like pulled you in here and shoved it in your mouth. <laughs> I Ned is exceptionally distrustful of government pills being thrown okay. in his mouth. Okay, roll to act <laughs> under pressure to avoid her from putting this in your mouth. He's gonna try and like choke it out. And there's the first failure. That's a uh, five plus one is uh, wait, five plus one is six. Is that a failure? No, uh, it's a yeah, that's a failure. All right. If someone helped you, it would be a mixed success. Hmm. I'm not even gonna do that though. Yeah, I'm Don't not help either. Me. This is this is Ned's. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. So I think that when you surprisingly. Uh, she she was not expecting you to uh, resist this, so uh, it kind of gets chopped up a little bit in your mouth. Uh, you swallow a little piece of it and spit the rest out across the room, um, and it falls into some of the caustic stuff, and uh, you recover one harm instead of the full harm, but uh, she just looks at you and says, you... Idiot, that was the last one of those. This is my burden to bear. You can't you can't do it to me. I gotta those, remember it. Those are extremely expensive. I've seen men in black, I know what you people do. No, look at everyone else in the room. They were all in there with you. And everyone else is just staring at you. Completely healed. Miles is going, like, kind of bending over where the little bit of it landed in the muck, and he's just kind of, like, looking at how it's interacting with it. <laughs> yeah, it, it dissolved it. Okay, yeah. he He's still just kind of bending over looking at like that. Very interesting. Like a science experiment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I guess now is as good a time as any to come up with a plan.
All content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the SCP Foundation logo, is licensed under the Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0, and all concepts originate from the SCP Wiki and its authors. Please see scp-wiki.net for all the original content. SCP-106, The Old Man, and its tale I took influence from, titled The Young Man, were both written by Dr. Gears. SCP-131, The iPods, was written by Lieutenant Masipag. SCP-500, Panacea, or The Red Pill, was written by Far2. Thank you for listening.